Hello, I hope you're doing really well. Today we are starting a brand new message series called Questions People Ask. And the outline and the ideas for the message series come out of a book and a message series by James Emery White called Christianity for People Who Aren't Christians. And I found this book very helpful, and I believe you'll find the ideas in it helpful as well. Our goal in this series is to fortify the faith of those who follow Christ and help those who are investigating Christ to take further steps in their relationship to him. Did you ever play 20 questions as a kid or as a parent with your kids on a long road trip? Sometimes we bring it out in desperation just to pass the time and keep the kids focused on something besides the the monotony of the trip. But that activity, 20 questions, helps with learning. The more questions that you ask and that get answered, the more understanding grows and the categories of life grow. Questions lead us to answers. We need to be curious. God has promised that if we seek him, we will find him. If we're not asking questions and seeking him, we go through the motions of our faith and we never know the truth. When we ask questions, we can investigate and explore the facts and it grows our understanding. If you investigate and find answers, you now have more to hold on to as you walk through life. Why are we doing this series now? It was originally our Easter series, so that, that makes sense. That'll make sense to you as we walk through this today. But in times like this, everything is swirling. What will happen in the future? Why is the world in so much upheaval? There's a lot going on in our country right now, and it's easy to get pulled into the swirl like a boat caught in a storm. The scriptures remind us of what is true and how we can have a foundation to stand on. The truth is an anchor that tethers us to reality. So today, we're going to begin by asking a very important question. What about Jesus? Who is he? What did he say about his identity? Jesus is the central figure, of course, in all of Christianity, but also in history. In the West, time has been marked by his life, B.C., before Christ, A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. And today, we're not only going to seek more insight uh, about Jesus and history, but also what that means for our lives today. Jesus said that if we build our life on his words, then it will fortify us. Those words and our patterns that we build on those words will fortify us in a storm. Our, our lives will be strengthened and, and as we build on his truth. If we're going to build our lives on his word, we need to make sure he, he can be trusted. We need to make sure of his identity. So in this message, 
we'll see why we can trust who he said he was and how we can trust him. We're going to ask and answer four basic questions today that people ask. Was Jesus a real person? What did he look like? What did he say about himself? Was he really raised from the dead? So first of all, let's start with, was Jesus a real person? People celebrate Christmas in most parts of the world today. And although it's a very commercialized celebration, it links back to the celebration of Jesus' birth. In the Bible, there are multiple birth announcements uh, that took place. There would never be a birth as important as Jesus Christ's birth. Prophets in the Old Testament announced his birth hundreds of years before it happened. Some would hear the news uh, in his day after Jesus was born, like the wise men heard. And here in Luke 2, you find the announcement to the shepherds on the very day of Jesus Christ's birth. Luke 2, 10 through 12. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. There is no doubt that Jesus lived. He was born, he lived, he died, and Christians believe he was raised again. There is no scholar, no matter where they stand on Christianity, that denies that the man, Jesus Christ, existed in time and history. You find him listed in the writings of Thallus, a first century Greek, Pliny the Younger, a lawyer and uh, author of ancient Rome, Tacitus and Suetonius, Roman historians, and Flavius Josephus, the Jewish historian. And of course, the more detailed accounts of Jesus' life are found in the Bible in the four independent biographies that are referred to as the Gospels. Jesus is the most documented person in all of ancient history. Considering all these sources from the Bible and from history, there is no doubt Jesus is a real person who who lived on this earth. The second question that people ask and that we'll answer today comes from a survey conducted by a megachurch with thousands of people, and they were asked to submit uh, their questions about Christianity. And this is the number one question that was submitted. Might surprise you. What did Jesus look like? <laughs> Have you ever wondered about that? Have you ever tried to figure out what he might look like? Uh, I, I confess I haven't. I was surprised that that was the number one question. But if if you were to picture Jesus in your head based on what you've read and seen and heard about him, what would he look like? Does he have long hair? Does he have a beard? Uh, what color is he? There are many pictures of Jesus out there. Uh, here are, are a few. 
Some pictures of Jesus are paintings like this one uh, in St. Catherine's Monastery in Egypt called Christ Pantocrator. The Shroud of Turin is said to be a length of linen cloth bearing the negative image of a man whom some claim is Jesus of Nazareth. And here is a picture. This is an interesting picture. It's a picture of Jesus' face according to forensic anthropologists. Now, this is certainly not the face that you see in paintings, and it's certainly not the traditional face that you see, but it does line up with what Scripture said about Jesus. Isaiah 53, 2 says, He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to distract, to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Isn't that description interesting? According to the scriptures, the most influential man who ever lived was unseemly. Here's what we know about his looks. He was not white, six foot three with blonde hair and chiseled good looks. He was a Mediterranean Jew. Therefore, his skin would have the olive darkness to it found in that region today. He didn't speak English. He grew up speaking Aramaic. That was his native tongue. But he also would have learned and been taught Hebrew as a boy. He wasn't tall, probably well under six foot. So when we think of people who have the most influence in our world today, uh, it's usually the beautiful or, or the handsome. You gain status in our world from your looks. But in Isaiah, the emphasis is that people would be drawn to Jesus not because of his good looks, but more from the power of his life and the content of his teaching. Another question that's helpful to ask is, what did Jesus say about himself? Those are some ideas about uh, his, his looks and what he looked like. Some things we can know. We can't know perfectly, of course. There were no photographs that so we don't have a picture of him, which is, which is probably good because people would worship the picture. Um, but anyway, what did Jesus say about himself? This is one of the most important questions that we can ask about Jesus, because if if he never claimed to be God, then his identity is settled. We don't need to worry about it. But we do know what Jesus said about himself. And when people asked him directly about his identity, he gave very straightforward answers. There's a conversation found in John 8, where he's having a dialogue with some Jewish folks about his identity, and they're very confused. Jesus is going back and forth in this dialogue about who they are in relation to God and who he is. And we're going to pick up the dialogue here in John 8:41, where the people say this, The only Father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, so 
They make that statement. Jesus responds, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Instead of loving him, they were trying to kill him. But as they are asking about his true identity, he tells them that he is here from God. God sent him to this earth. Pretty clear statement, don't you think? A very straightforward claim. At one point in the conversation, they asked him if he was a Samaritan and demon possessed. And I'm, you know, that's, that's a major insult to uh, a Jew at that time. And I'm not quite sure how you can ask the question, that question in a, in a non-offensive way, but they asked. And in his answer to whether or not he is a Samaritan and demon possessed, Jesus says this, John 8:51. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. That's a powerful statement. And it's so audacious, that statement, that they follow up, the people follow up with this question, who in the world do you think you are? And he answers that question with this, John eight fifty eight. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. Now, there's a reason that they picked up stones to stone him. In saying, I am, he is making the ultimate claim to be God. No human being in the Hebrew mind should ever utter those words. They were blasphemy. It was the statement that God made to Moses at the burning bush when Moses asked about his identity. Here's where it comes from, Exodus 3, 13 and 14. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The name I am is sacred. It's the very name of God among the Hebrews. And Jesus used that name for himself. There is no mistake that he claimed to be God. There are many other similar statements that Jesus made where he claimed to be God, and there's no doubt that he made that claim. And this brings us to the great test that Jesus gave to prove that he is who he said he is, whom he claimed to be. It, and I'll state it in the form of a question since, hey, these are questions people ask. Was Jesus really raised from the dead? Here's the great test of his identity that he gave to the disciples. Luke 18, 31 through 33. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, 
and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. After flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. Jesus laid out one specific truth for his claims that everyone could judge him by. He predicted that he would die, he would be crucified, and in three days he would come back to life. The one sign we can use to test Jesus' identity, whether or not he was who he said he was, is the resurrection. Did he really come back to life on the third day after his death? Christianity hinges on this. Many thinking persons have investigated the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and weighed the evidence for it. There are many books that chronicle the journey of atheists and skeptics who set out to disprove the resurrection, and as they weighed the evidence for the resurrection, uh, they decided to follow Christ. One such person is J. Warner Wallace. Wallace was a decorated homicide detective, founding member of the L.A. Sheriff's Department, cold case homicide unit assigned to crack murders that no one else could solve. And the interesting thing about the resurrection, it was a a historical event that you can look back on, you can weigh the evidence for it, and then you can decide for yourself. And this is what Wallace was good at. He was good at looking at very old cases that no one else was able to solve and then solving them. He was really good at it. So he applied his skills to the the resurrection. And it's interesting, his story has been chronicled uh, in a special report on NBC Universal. And so here's an intro to Wallace from that special report. There's no statute of limitations on murder, and the ones that are unsolved go into a cold case file. In Torrance, California, those cases landed on the desk of Detective Jim Warner Wallace. Several cold cases that Jim solved were featured on NBC Dateline. In the end, you're trying to figure out what just happened here, or constantly entering each scene and asking, what really happened here, using the evidence available to you. And because these are cases that really were, were given up for loss, they, they really nobody had any expectations of ever solving those cases. Jim started in law enforcement as a patrol officer. A second-generation cop, he wore his badge proudly. He had a keen eye and sharp mind, and by his 30s, was promoted to detective. He was also a loving husband, dedicated father, and an avowed atheist. I was more than happy with the idea that I would live my life, and when I closed my eyes for the last time, I would be in the dirt. Came from nothing, I'll go back to nothing. The idea of a life after this one was meaningless to me. If you had told me that I was a sinner, I would have laughed at you. I know what sinners look like. They're the folks I take to jail. That's not me. I'm a good guy. Jim always prided himself in his intellect and openly mocked people of faith, especially Christians. I thought it was a completely unnecessary mythology that I just could not be part of. 
reason and observation and scientific exploration would eventually have answers for all the questions that I had about life. You find out in this report that a friend invited Wallace and his wife to the church. His wife believed in God. He didn't. And so she was really interested in going to church and plugging in and helping their children learn about God and know about him. And he said he he just went, wanted to be left alone, but the pastor drew him in and made him curious about Jesus because he was presented as a very smart man. So he began to read the Bible for himself and explore Christianity. Here's a later part of his story. Jim was intrigued, so he bought a $6 Bible. I wasn't about to spend any more than $6 on this. And I was looking for the red letters. I want to see what Jesus has to say. If he's got some wisdom to share, let's hear it. Jim put his training as a detective to work and poured over the Gospels. He discovered something that in his line of work was critical to any investigation. Eyewitness accounts. If you have multiple eyewitnesses who see the same event, they never tell you the same story. But they do tell you a story that can be seen together like a puzzle. I was seeing these characteristics in the Gospels. And I thought, wow, you know, in some aspects, I think this stuff feels and looks a lot like eyewitness testimony. And so I was willing to take a step with it and start to examine it as an eyewitness account to see if it would hold up. This was intriguing to me because it was a claim not just about some wisdom from the ancient past, but a claim about an event that either occurred or didn't occur in the ancient past. And that was something I could test. Jim also looked into the writings of other ancient historians to verify the accounts he found in the Bible. So I think as I went through that process of digging, looking at language, looking at the template that I used to evaluate eyewitnesses, I became more comfortable and more confident that those were accurate, reliable eyewitness accounts. We were both learning so much um, at the same time. When Jim's atheism couldn't stand in the light of the evidence, he was faced with one question. Why do we need a savior? To answer that question, Jim had to admit that his pride was keeping him from accepting the truth about Jesus. It wasn't that there wasn't enough evidence. It was all about realizing, I'm not God, and realizing that, man, I have, I'm a mess. And there's a lot about my life that I uh, would like to change, a lot that I'm not proud of, a lot that I need forgiveness for. Jim, the good guy, needed a savior too. I, for a lot of years, worked hard to resist God's Spirit. And at some point, I just said, okay, I'm done. I believe it. I'm in. I submitted everything to Him. I submitted everything to Christ. I submitted every waking thought. Jesus' resurrection can be investigated. And many have searched and found it to hold up as they weighed the evidence. They have found it to hold up to be the truth, and they have given their whole lives to follow Jesus Christ, like Wallace did. If you haven't yet committed your life to Christ, and you'd like to investigate the resurrection and some of these other questions that we'll be asking in this series, we'd like to offer you uh, the book that this, this series is based on. The title of the book is Christianity for People Who Aren't Christians by James Emery White. 
And it will help you to find the evidence and get the answers to the basic questions that people ask about Christianity. Check the box on the connection card, and we'll send you the book for free. If if you've been exploring what it means to follow Christ, and you're at the point where you're ready to give your life to follow him at this point in time, then check the box on the connection card. For the first time, I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord. We'll follow up with you. We'll help you get started in your walk with the Lord. And we, we really want to encourage you in that, for sure. If you're already a follower of Christ, you can be sure that your faith will stand the test. There is no need to be afraid of questions. I know I got to a point in seminary when I thought, I, I have got the, these nagging questions about Christianity, about my faith, were just gnawing on me. And I needed to get the answers. And, and I started searching for the answers. And um, I kind of had a knot in my stomach because I'm like, wow, I'm in seminary. I'm training to be a pastor. And what if, what if I don't get the answers? What if they aren't there? I found the answers and they strengthened my faith as I prepared for the ministry. And you can find the answers too. And you don't need to be afraid that, uh, the questions are not going to be answered because they're there. They're available. If you have questions, Get the answers to your questions about the Bible, about Jesus and the faith, and you're, you will be strengthened in it. We can build our life on Jesus' words. There is no need to be afraid. Christianity will stand the test. So here are some next steps that I want to suggest for you today. My next step today is to, for the first time, I'm committing my life to Christ as Lord and Savior. He's your boss. You're giving your whole life to him. You're letting him call the shots from that day forward if you make that decision. And then I will read about or talk to someone to get answers to my questions about Christ and Christianity. Let us know if you'd like the book. We'd, we'd love to send it to you. And I will attend the rest of this series to get answers to my questions. That this is going to be, I anticipate, a really helpful series for you and strengthening for those of us who follow Christ already and helpful for those who are investigating what it means to follow Christ and who he was and what Christianity is all about. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you have allowed us the freedom to choose to follow you or not. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the life that you lived, the horrible death that you died, and the power that was displayed in the resurrection. Help us to live in light of your power. Help us, those of us who are seeking answers, may you speak to them directly into their heart and bring them into your kingdom, for those of us who are already uh, committed to following you, fortify us 
as we see the answers to these questions, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.